This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The morning run 8.38 right now. Melissa and Han here. And um, as you may have heard, the government has recently announced that it would delay the plan to separate the powers of the public prosecutor and the attorney general. So the prime minister, Dr. Mahathir, he announced this. Uh, he said that this is because it involves amending the federal constitution, which requires two-thirds majority in parliament. And as we know, Pakatan Harapan is 31 MPs short of the two-thirds majority to parliament. So joining us on the line now to help us unpack the repercussions of this dual role of the Attorney General and Public Prosecutor, we have here um, Constitutional Lawyer Malik Imtias. Good morning, Malik. Thank you so much for for joining us on the show today. I would like to begin the conversation with a look at the two roles. So the Attorney General is the legal advisor to the federal government and the Yang Dipertuan Agong, as well as the Public Prosecutor's role being the one to institute prosecutions in court. Now, are there legal guidelines to distinguish these two roles? Are there, is there anything to clearly demarcate the two uh, separate roles? Um, well, not, not really. The Constitution says merely that the Attorney General has complete um, discretion uh, in his role as the public prosecutor. So, I mean, you've, you've identified the two roles correctly. So the AG advises the government, and in that, in that sense, he's actually almost playing a political role. And um, uh, he advises the cabinet in other jurisdictions, the AG, sometimes even an MP, um, who is accountable to parliament. But then in other jurisdictions, the role of the prosecutor is, is separated. So in this country, though, you have someone who's playing ostensibly a political role, also now uh, being charged with the task of deciding whether people should be uh, brought to court for criminal offences or not. So that immediately sets up a conflict. Um, And as we saw um, in the events surrounding uh, 1MDB uh, before the last GE, um, that that conflict sort of reared its head in a way that made people wonder whether the right decisions were being made to not prosecute or to prosecute, to close investigations and so on and so forth. So there is no clear guideline. Um, That's a problem. The common law expectation is that the AG behaves or rather makes decisions in a way that's required by law. But given his um, uh, complete discretion, the courts have taken the position that you can't challenge that discretion in court. And that's a problem. Oh. Right. And Mali, I'm glad you raised that conflict, right? So, you know, if there's this potential for a conflict of interest, is there any recourse for judicial review? You know, because like you mentioned, uh, there is a political component to this dual role. So when a cabinet member commits an offence, the AG is then placed in a rather difficult position, right? Yes. Um, actually, that, that position is even made worse by the fact that um, uh, his, uh, he holds office at the pleasure of His Majesty, which is another way of saying that he can be hired and fired by contract, on a contract, and that decision is usually made by the Prime Minister or the Cabinet. Um, so yes, that, that, that is, a, is clearly a problem um, and one that needs to be addressed. And I think the only way that can be addressed is by separating uh, the powers to prosecute away from the AG Uh, into a body or a commission that can then be made accountable to parliament so that the right questions can be asked and the decisions be brought under scrutiny and uh, accountability. That's really important, I think. 
So a couple of things that you brought up there. I'd like to address one of the things. Um, so why do you think that uh, this decision, uh, as the using the rationale of the Prime Minister, why do you think this decision wouldn't get bipartisan support? That if, uh, if brought to the table, um, that the other side of the aisle will not support this and they, they will need two-thirds majority to pass, pass this law? Well, I think on on one level, um, uh, looking back to what happened when we when sorry when the government tried to repeal the fake news uh, bill uh, act, sorry the act, fake news act, and how that didn't uh, that didn't make its way through the Senate. So um, it's not very clear, I think, whether or not um, the opposition is on board with um, the perception of the rule of law that perhaps the government has. So I think that uncertainty is a problem. Now, beyond that, uh, what, what this constitutional amendment would envisage is essentially a, a complete change of modality or a change of a paradigm. So we've had a, um, a political AG all this while, and given that the previous government was there for something like the next well, 60 years plus, um, one would think that, that that model has become something that they are comfortable with. Right. Um, so to now expect that change to happen may be a bit of a reach, and I think it would be politically dangerous for that bill to be moved without clear indication that it's going to be supported. I see. That, that would then result in a political backlash vis-à-vis the, the current government. So I'm just wondering, Mali, if there are any valid arguments to retain the status quo, to keep the dual role? I can't see any. <laughs> um, um, I think traditionally there was, an, uh, there was a, maybe a belief um, that things would be done the way they should be, um, but, you know, I think over, over the years, we've seen the way in which politics has, has uh, reared its head in, in matters of public administration. The line between governance and politics hasn't been blurred. And I think it's very, very difficult to now justify keeping uh, uh, the, the, the two roles fused in one body. Um, and I think the best way forward is to really just separate the two, make the uh, director of public prosecutions or whoever it is accountable so that people can be convinced that the system is working the way it should and without any influence or interference from, from the politicians. I think that's essential for us to move forward in um, embracing a, a more participatory democracy. All right, Mali, look, uh, so this is contained in Article 145 of the Federal Constitution, which assigns that dual role, right, of advising the government and also the power to prosecute. Uh, yeah. Is this a British legacy, a Commonwealth practice? I mean, because uh, from what we understand, there are other countries that do this too, right? Yeah, so um, I, I think it's it's at the time the Constitution was put together, it was um, conventionally uh, acceptable, and that was on a on, on certain premise um, of how things should be done. But we've seen evolution happening in other countries um, as well. And in England now, there is a clear separation. And with the Crown Prosecution Services having been established, the decision to prosecute is no longer within the purview of the Attorney General. In fact, the decision to prosecute, the power to, to make that decision is even given to two other um, um, uh, agencies, including the Serious Fraud uh, Office. So I think it's really keeping in step with expectations of society, uh, greater uh, greater desire for accountability and transparency. And I think um, generally with that evolution, there's a greater interest on the part of voters to see that things are being done the way they should, rather than being told that they're being done the way they should. Mm. And if you just look back to what happened uh, previous, prior to the uh, general elections, we had that um, um, situation. We were being told that everything was being done and that uh, things were as they should be. 
But clearly what, what we were seeing uh, was at odds with that. So you then had an immediate problem with the fact that government began to lose credibility. Now, right. that's something that I don't think you want a, uh, to happen to any government moving forward because, as we've seen, changes of government bring with it you know, pretty um, big changes that in, in one way or the other affect the way things are going. I think the change is good, but in, in some other ways you could say that that change has brought a certain level of uncertainty that, that is, is worrying. So you don't want to create a situation where this kind of, situ- uh, this kind of uh, scenario can repeat itself um, and have that effect as we move forward. Malik, thank you so much for joining us today. That was constitutional lawyer Malik Imtias helping us understand the repercussions of not separating the two roles of the Attorney General and the Public Prosecutor. Now, after this, uh, we're going to be looking at what's happening in the local corporate scene. The winds of change blowing once again at GLCs. Rumours are circulating that yet another leadership shake-up could be expected. So stay tuned. We're going to be discussing that next. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.